sharing today, uh, and, and it is an honor to help our pastor in any way. She yeah. said, she called and said, hey, Lonnie, I need you to scrub the toilets. And I said, okay, you know, happy to help, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but it's a, a especially high honor to be trusted with anything in the church. You know, to be trusted with cleaning something is just as important as being trusted with this. So uh, I don't take it lightly um, that pastor has asked me to do this. Uh, are you guys ready to receive? Hallelujah. So um, I've taken some time to prepare and um, I'll give them a moment to work things out. Um, but there's some things in me, and, and believe God with me, that we're going to pull them out. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word today. Thank you for this place that we could be gathered and come to your word, Father. Thank you for the plan for this service. Thank you for uh, divine accurate utterances from heaven, Father. Thank you the word has free course in the hearts of the hearer today and free course in my heart, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you that uh, as we're here together today, Father, we are in unity and one accord. I thank you that we get it. We get it. We're in unity and one accord and that the revelations for this era are preached by those that have the platform to speak it. In Jesus' name. The thing about there being a platform to speak it is that platform's up to you. You give the person a voice into your heart. Uh, and I'm not telling you to give me a voice into your heart. It's giving this place, this pulpit, Pastor Jackie, a voice into your heart. But really, it's not even her. It's God through her, through the pastor's anointing. Uh, we say, uh, regularly we say, we th- we thank you for those we're connected to in the ministry. We thank you uh, for those divine, accurate utterances, uh, revelations of this era to be preached by those that have the platform to speak it. And we give you, Father, that platform in our hearts. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's spoken from the platform. The platform's in your heart. Uh, it's up to us to receive the word. Um, so uh, I, there has been people who have come up to me and have said things uh, that... Uh, it ties in a little bit to my message later, but um, uh, think about think about even Satan going to Jesus in the wilderness and trying to tempt him with the word. Yeah. He had the right words, he twisted them, but he had no platform into Jesus' heart. That's why Jesus did not receive those words. Uh, Jesus told uh, the Jesus told the these things aren't in my notes, but it's. Some of it is, but uh, Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, uh, he says, you guys don't receive me because you don't receive my words. He had no platform. He spoke it, but the platform was not given to him in their hearts. Uh, They did not regard him in a way to receive the word from him. Uh, He even says, my word has no entrance in, in you. You say you know my father. Uh, but my word has no entrance in you. Uh, and if the word has no entrance, then you don't believe. So uh, it's, it's up to us uh, to regard the word and that platform. Uh, so thank you, Father. <clears throat> Say this with me today. Uh, <clears throat> I walk in love, and the wicked one touches me not. I find no fault fault. in any man, man, woman, woman, or child, child. 
I refuse to form opinions. I say it's none of my business. I'm a forgiver. I'm not a fault finder. When uh, Sonia and I first started confessing these things, uh, we would say, I forgive every man, woman, child, and even their pets. Because there's some people's animals you just, no. I'd rather, I'd rather not. Uh, I always joke with like people talking about Nebraska fans that on game day, everybody's dressed up and they even got their dogs in the, in the ugly red sweater, you know. Uh, so I have to forgive the dog too. Like, you can get offended with, really, you can get offended with whatever you want. You know, so it could be a rock. I don't care, but uh, so um, my message today, uh, this is the title of it, The Plan of God, Timing, Vision, and Judgment. The Plan of God, Timing, Vision, and Judgment. Uh, I want to start in Isaiah fifty-nine fourteen. If we could put that up there in the New Living Translation. Is it working? Otherwise, I can just read them all. But um, the plan of God, timing, vision, and judgment. We're going to start with Isaiah 59, verse 14, in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Uh, so this, I've been listening to this verse, and I was actually driving around uh, meditating on this, and I think I even had it playing in the, the sound in the car, and something landed when I was listening to it. Our courts oppose the rights, um, or our, co- our courts oppose the people who are righteous. Another tr- way to, that it says is our courts oppose the rights, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the streets, and fairness has been outlawed. Let me read to you the, the translation I found. <clears throat> it's, this, it's the New Living Translation. It just sounds a little bit different. Our courts, our courts oppose the, right, the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. You can say this for uh, time's sake, on, based on the times. There's ungodly things that they're saying are outlawed. Or there's godly things they're outlawing, and ungodly things. Basically, they're calling good bad and bad good. Um, and then if you try to talk against it, they're going to come against you. Um, it says, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Well, why would you attack somebody for renouncing evil? I mean, you, you speak out against anything these days and say, whether you, whether you give an opinion about it or not, just say, that's not what I believe. You can be attacked for that. It's, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, uh, but so I want to focus on this truth. So our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets. This jumped out at me when I was listening to it. Who is truth? Jesus. The Word. The Word is truth. So why is truth stumbling in the street? I I, I was meditating on this. Jesus, I don't believe, ever had any missteps. He was was the only one who was perfect. 
he knew where to be, how to be there, when to be there. Even the death of Lazarus could not get him to move out of step. You know, he didn't hurry up and drive over there on his donkey at, you know, five miles an hour over the speed limit, whatever, if they had him then. Uh, and, and he wasn't praying emergency tongues or emergency prayers. Oh, God, please save my friend Lazarus. Um, that's, that's not how it was. So I, I think through his walk on the earth, and especially in, in his ministry, Jesus, he had no missteps. But this says, truth stumbles in the streets. And I had recently watched uh, The Passion, and, and I had that vision of uh, when, I, when that jumped out at me, that truth stumbles in the streets. Well, truth is Jesus. Why would he be stumbling in the streets? And then I remembered that movie, uh, there's, a, there's many scenes where he's carrying the cross, and he falls over several times. And he's literally stumbling in the streets. Well, he was carrying the cross for us. He was whipped on the post for us. He took the stripes for us. His blood was shed for us. So I would say he even stumbled in the streets for us. Yeah, he, yeah. he would have taken our missteps. Uh, this has to do with the plan of God. Um, uh, because the, the more, I don't know about you, I've made mistakes. And, and I've, you know, I feel like I've bumped my head a few times. And uh, when you finally, when the word for some, the word, somebody can help you. But for me, it was uh, getting into a church, rededicating my life. And I ended up in here. And the word that Pastor Jackie was preaching was basically putting a helmet on my head and saying, don't knock your head against that wall anymore. It's going to hurt, you know. Um, And so missteps, you think about a runner uh, sprinting a race, if they slip, they have no traction. Um, you put cleats on one person, and the other person's got, you know, beach slippers. Just based on traction alone, one's coming out on top. It doesn't matter who's faster. One's got equipment to get them there. Um, one's going to have slip steps. I mean, I can hear the sound now of those rubbery, wet slippers. You know, I was a lifeguard for a long time, and you hear like. And, and you can't get anywhere because they flap and flop. Right. And I mean, they're called flip-flops. But, um, running in those is the worst ever. Uh, just, just better off. And then they break. So just better off not to try it. Um, so they're comfortable, but, but they're not very good for very much. Uh, I've seen the Crocs. The Crocs, they have that, that flap that can go down the back. And they say putting those into four-wheel drive. So you, you throw the strap around the ankle, and now you're good to run. I still don't want to run even in those. Um, but missteps. Missteps will keep us uh, not from accomplishing the plan of God, but from getting there when we should. Um, and I would argue that if you're not there when you should be there, then you're not fulfilling it as you ought. Um, and not just pointing at you guys. I'm, I'm talking to myself. Good. Talking to myself. Um, Psalm 1836 is one of my absolute favorite verses. Um, I'll read it out of the King James. And then I have another translation. I got a lot of verses today. So hope you guys are ready. Uh, and if, uh, if I'm going too fast, write them down and listen to it later. I've had to learn myself to do that. Um, Psalm 1836, in the King James, 
Uh, there's a couple different ways it reads. One way I found, I think it was the newer King James, says, Thou hast enlarged my path beneath me, or sorry, thou hast, thou, speaking to the Father, thou hast enlarged my path under me. My feet do not, did not slip. Uh, talking about missteps, Jesus stumbling in the streets. He, I believe he even, he did that for us. That's uh, no longer dealing with the frustration of the world system and, and the way the world works is just bump your head until you figure it out. Oh, I'm going to go over here and try this. That doesn't work. Oh, I'm going to go over here and try this. Well, that didn't work. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Uh, and we're talking about the plan of God, timing, vision, and judgment. Uh, I've wasted time. And uh, I think at people who are, I won't say older, the more mature you are, the more you have a realization of, I can't waste my time on certain things. Even now, I'm only about to turn 32, and there's things I can't spend my time on that I used to give days and hours to. I used to give days to skateboarding. I used to give hours of preparation to watching it, to, to getting together with my friends, to traveling to all these different skate parks, you know, video games uh, when I was a kid. Although these days you can get a scholarship for it, which is, I wish I had known that when I was a kid, but I, I'd give, give hours, you know, to stuff that, that today I just can't do. Um, I can still enjoy those things, but even just at 31, I'll think about like Pastor Jackie, um, She's about to turn 83, and I think she would tell you guys, and she has mentioned from up here that she doesn't, that's, she's so adamant about just moving forward and not wasting time. Yeah. Not because she doesn't have time, but she realizes the importance of it. Um, Thou hast enlarged my path under me that my feet did not slip. Here's another way the King James reads it. He has enlarged my path beneath me. None of my steps shall slide. Uh, think about on the ice, you know, my steps aren't sliding. They're sure footed, you know, being able to just march on, not worried about, am I going to slip and fall? We, we can have this confidence, especially when we hear and know the plan of God for our lives. Uh, we were up in the jail dealing with a guy, um, and he was having an outrage, actually, through the concrete floor into the, into the sheriff's office. I was, I was like, man, somebody is either outside yelling really loud or somebody in the jail is throwing a fit. It sounded like doors were being slammed, people were yelling, and I was like, it sounded like somebody got slammed on the ground. And that's a solid concrete building. Um, and I don't even know how thick the concrete floors are. And it was like, whoa. I was like, somebody got slammed. And I went and told the other deputies and my sergeant said, hey, did you guys hear that? They go, no. And then a couple seconds later, they go, dang. Like, and then a few minutes later, dispatch calls us. Hey, the jail needs your help. We got, a, we got an uncooperative person in the jail. He's already in the cell. He's just, they had to fight him and put him on the ground. And then they had to put him in a cell. And then we basically had to go in there and take, take control of him. because He's being uncontrollable, wanting to break things. He's spitting on jailers. Um, just being out of control. Um, and I had a point for that. It's a good story. Anyway. Um, yes. Thank you, Father. 
path beneath me. None of my steps shall slide. That'll come back to me. Here's, here's another, uh, here's my favorite, my favorite way this verse reads. Uh, he has enlarged the scope of my activity. I do not become fatigued. That's either the Harrison, I'm, I don't recall, I remember the first time I ever heard that verse, it marked that moment for me. Uh, I remember where I was, I remember who was preaching, and I remember what I was doing, um, it, like that when that when I heard that verse, it landed in me and kind of froze that moment in time. But it was either the Harrison or the Weiss, Kenneth Weiss translation. Uh, I don't recall exactly which one, but it says he has enlarged the scope of my activity, and I do not become fatigued. Uh, just like in the King James, it reads, "He's enlarged my path beneath me; none of my steps shall slide." Uh, Proverbs 4:10. This is just this is just starting out. There's a few places where uh, we have. Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. That, why I had that story. Um, <laughs> these are just a few few ways in the Word where I saw uh, Jesus has taken our missteps. Yes, he has. Um, so Proverbs 4:10 in the Amplified, and I have a few references in the New Testament because you got to have both can't just say, oh, it's Old Testament, and, uh, and you don't have anything to stand on these days from the New Testament, because that's where we live, but um, let's go and put it up there. Proverbs 4.10, out of the Amplified Classic, and we're going to go all the way to verse 19, but we'll start here. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. I have taught you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. I have led you in paths of uprightness. When you walk, your steps shall not be hampered. Your path will be clear and open, and you will run, and you shall not stumble. I mean, if you can find this in the Word, I think you can stand on it. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of evil men. That's a warning. He's telling you what not to do. I appreciate when people give you instruction, but then when they tell you what not to do, that, even, that coaches you even more. As a kid, I saw how not to treat my mother. Uh, not preaching down at my dad. I love my dad, and uh, I can't wait to get to go see him again. He's still alive. He's in Arizona. Um, he just had a, had a hard life, and when it came to home life, that was not his strongest place. Um, I think he was happy there, but I saw a lot of examples of what not to do, uh, and it pushed me the opposite direction because many times, thankfully, many times it's the other way around. In the home, they just repeat what they see. Kids will duplicate those those environments uh, and it's almost unavoidable it's those seeds are planted and when they come up I mean it's 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 law it's spiritual law Um, unless there's some intervention the word gets in there and straightens me out you know uh, so that I can say I have heaven in my home peace I never have to raise my voice at my wife or threaten or storm off or slam doors Uh, uh, the these are more things that are purchased for us. But, you know, so I saw what not to do. And so he's telling us, it says, my son. So he's talking to us as children. 
Um, so he tells us what not to do, and he says, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn from it and pass on. And then don't even give it, give it no regard. Give that place no platform into your life. Because if you go there, you're going to hear things. You're going to see things. Uh, they're going to appeal to your flesh, and you're going to want to partake. And he's saying, don't even give it the light of day. Don't even give it the thought because of how slippery that path is. Uh, and I want sure-footedness. That's what we're talking about. Um, go ahead to the next verse. For they cannot sleep, the wicked, they cannot sleep unless they have caused trouble or vexation. Their sleep is taken away from them, or their sleep is taken away unless they have caused someone to fall. Like I said, you go to those places, you go to those, those things, those environments, it might even just be a conversation. It doesn't have to be a dive bar, a strip joint, uh, it doesn't have to be any of those places. It could just be a conversation at the end of the hall. And you hear something. That's why we said those confessions. I walk in love. The wicked one touches me not. I say it's none of my business because when you hear that, you have to make a judgment call. We're talking about timing, vision, and judgment. We have to judge some things. Not judge the person, but judge the thing. So uh, I judge that conversation as I'm not going to partake in it. Or if I do, if I'm roped into it and they say, hey, what do you think? Oh, I think they got nice earlobes. I mean, yeah. you know, you find something good to say about them. Uh, I endeavor, I try, I do my best to find something good yeah. when something is really just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. And it's like, right. well, they put their heart into it. You know, uh, we were just listening to Reverend Jesse DePlanis and he just flat out said, and not that you should lie, but when you're struggling with something, find something good in the situation um, to focus on. But we were watching uh, Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine, and Brother Jesse DePlanis was talking about, have you guys ever heard the one where he's talking about, uh, he got invited to a minister's house, and the wife cooked him dinner, and, and the whole family is like going like this and watching him to see what he's going to do. And it was, I think it was gumbo. It was gumbo. And, uh, and he, like, he just like sees them, and he goes ahead and takes a bite. And uh, she goes, well... What do you think? And the family's all still just like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he goes, this is trash. Like, he just says it flat out. Like, this is trash. He told the truth. Uh, and then the husband goes, now I know you're a man of God. Because all the other man of God that come here and eat that stuff, they lie to her face. And they tell her. And he says, honey, we've been eating this garbage for years. I'm not telling you to, to, to just make somebody feel bad, uh, but I'm talking about not just people, scenarios. If you end up in these scenarios, you can get roped into these conversations, um, and, and you, have to, you have to judge yourself on, on why you're even entering the conversation. You have to judge yourself on what you're going to say in that conversation. I catch myself sometimes, why do I want to speak to what they're talking about? Well, this tells us why, for they cannot sleep unless they have caused trouble or vexation their sleep is taken away unless they have caused someone to fall they cannot rest until they pull you down with them uh, I, rem I remember in college uh, there's huge party scenes in the colleges uh, especially when it comes to athletics because you know you work hard you want to play hard uh, and it doesn't help when your coaches are partying too because you're going to follow the example of your coaches well I remember our coaches uh, in the wrestling room yelling at us and saying, 
you guys are out partying and getting in trouble, but those people that you're partying with, they don't, they don't love you. They're not there for you. They're there for the thrill and the good time. And when you need them, none of them are here with me. Um, but we were even so we were even separated far enough that like I don't think we ever ended up at a party together. Those days are gone forever, right, brother? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I think you just start dancing. Uh, so, so yeah, we he would warn us. He said those people they're not, they don't have your best interest at heart. They will not sleep unless they have taken away. They have their sleep taken away unless they have caused someone to fall with them. Why do you think that all happens at night? A lot of those night parties, block parties, things like that, uh, nightclubs. Why are they so dark in there? You know, we hear about the churches that do the same thing. Like, why is the church so dark in there? Well, what's happening in that church? This might even be a glimpse of that. I'm not judging them. Um, But why do those things happen at night? Because they cannot sleep until they have expelled all the thrills. And those thrills involve using people. Because it's flesh. It's their fleshy game. It's what feels good to me right now. And what feels good to me is to put my arm around you. We're going to get drunk and we're going to go march down the street. We might get in a fight. We might end up in somebody's strange home. I'm just talking, you know, from experience here. Like, uh, we might end up in jail. You know, I thank God that never happened to me. I know that there were some prayers uh, and some words that were said uh, long before I got to being an adult that I think saved me in that time. There was prayers from my family before time, and I think even prayers from Pastor Jackie and Pastor Ken, uh, because they would go and march on Fremont uh, uh, at Midland University, um, and they would, yeah, they'd go march around these places, the, the university, the police department, and now I'm here as a cop having graduated from Midland, like, so there was some things keeping me out of trouble. I think their prayers, their actions, but even my family before me, grandparents, there's something about grandparents, man. Uh, And my mom, I know my mom was praying for me. She told me she was praying for me because I was at one, I was telling a deputy last night, I was at a point where I would argue with you that God wasn't real and that hell wasn't real and heaven wasn't real. So I really wasn't as scared of none of it. Uh, And I was going to go out and have fun, do things my way. Um, But that's what we're talking about is that's the hard, fast way of learning and bumping your head. It's really funny. There's a deputy. I'm going to remember the purpose of this story. There's a sergeant actually recently that said they were making some dirty jokes. We were talking about some past stories and uh, and they started making dirty jokes. And and so there's a, a conversation. I decide I'm not going to give in to. I'm already in the conversation, right. but they flip the switch on it. Yep. Yeah. And now it's going south. Yep. And they start making some sexual inappropriate comments toward me about things that, from my past. And I just kind of like right over my head. I let it go. I knew what they were getting at, but I just like, whoop. I have no, I, that, those words have no platform in my heart anymore. They used to, but I don't give them place. So they don't get entrance. So I don't give them thought. And um, and they, the sergeant uh, goes, you know what? I've heard stories about Lonnie because they're they're looking at me like, how don't you get this? How don't you get these dirty jokes? Like we're trying, and I was the butt of the joke. They were trying to make fun of me, 
uh, in an inappropriate way, and I'm going, uh, they're talking about a girl uh, that I had dated, and I said, oh, no, she, it wasn't, it wasn't Sonia, this was a previous relationship, and I said, you know what, uh, she was, she was tough, and they tried to get sexual about it, and then I said, I said, no, you, no, she probably was stronger than me, I, I don't know, at that time I wasn't, and then they just like, like, how don't you get that we're trying to poke fun at you, but, so I just, you know, I just let it go, I, you know, right over my head, seemingly to them, and, and the sergeant goes, he like looks at it, he goes, and there's other people there, he goes, um, he goes, I don't buy it, he's, he's like, Lonnie, man, he's like, you, I hear stories about Lonnie, the things he used to do, I've heard stories, he used to do this, and he used to do that, and uh, uh, they say, uh, uh, I don't even know if it's appropriate to say in church, but, uh, so he's, he said, a, it's just a phrase, he says, oh, I heard Lonnie was uh, snorting lines and, uh, and slaying dimes, so you're doing drugs and you're sleeping around, is basically the way he said it. I've heard stories about Lonnie doing that, and I don't believe it. I don't believe it, because Lonnie would have had to have been in a car accident and hit his head, and he doesn't remember any of that. And I go, I just go, that means it's working, you know? <laughs> If I'm that much changed that you think I was in, I'm in some sort of coma and the, the rest of me, you know, like the movies, I'm like, that means I'm doing something right. That means pastor's doing something right because I'm, I'm receiving from her. Um, and all the other deputies, they know my position. They know my stance. I stand for God and I don't get involved in some conversations. It's funny how the room won't sometimes go to those conversations because I'm there. Um, but other times they take it there and then they try to drag me in it. They'll even try to say, look at this picture of this, this lady, you know, TikTok or something. She's in a bikini. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, what, can, can't, you, can't you not, or uh, I'm like, I just go, okay. And they're, show, they're all going, ooh, uh, you know, I'd love to be with her. I'd love to be with her, you know, just fantasizing with it. And not to talk down on the deputies, like, but guys can get, you know, locker room talk, you know. Um, and they're going, uh, you know, oh, don't you, don't you, don't you want to look at it? And he's like, I saw it. And he goes, well, are you not allowed to look at stuff like that? And he goes, it's not that I'm not allowed to. I'm free to do whatever I want. Right. I choose not to. Right. I give no place. Right. I have no platform. I love what Pastor Ken says. I quote that tons of times, especially in the summertime when clothes get a little smaller. Uh, <laughs> I, and, and whether it's attractive or not, the flesh wants what the flesh wants. So it doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, the clothes don't have to fit for the flesh to want it. Um, and Pastor Ken says, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. I shall not look at another maid. I also, so I say that, and I also say what we confessed earlier. I refuse to form opinions. Because that's trying to, to rope you into it. Um, back to that conversation, the, the sergeant goes, I don't buy it. I've heard this, I don't buy it. Everybody else comes to my defense. Oh, no, he found God. He found God. And he goes, no, no, I don't buy it because... Some people find God and they still keep those demons, you know. They still have their demons that they wrestle with, but they find God and they still have their demons with the wrestle. He goes, Lonnie has, Lonnie's in a coma, and one of these days he's going to snap out of it. And I'm like, like, how funny would that be if I'm like pulling somebody over and all of a sudden I go, what am I doing in a cop outfit? And, and why, why is this gun here? You know, like if I just snapped out of it. Uh, but those, those were the days of, of that's, that's why I brought up that story is, 
they don't know where I came from. Of, I bumped my head so many times till I hit rock bottom, and I said, I'm never going back there. And it wasn't my own, it wasn't my own choice. Like my, like I had to choose it, but it wasn't my willpower that got me there. You make the decision. I'm done with this. I'm moving out of it. God will get on that, and he'll put you unrecognizable to other people. They'll say, wow, that's Lonnie? No way. He has to be in a coma. You know, like, I'm not in a coma, guys. Like, don't come lay hands on me for comas. I'm fine. Um, so, where are we at? Verse 16. For they cannot sleep unless they have caused trouble or vexation. Their sleep is taken away unless they have caused someone to fall. Next verse. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. What does this sound like? I, I, uh, I read this one day and I go, well, it sounds like what's up on the wall. It's communion. The bread and the wine. They have their own communion. The wicked do. It's, it's just an imitation. I mean... Everything, everything the devil does is an imitation of what God does. It's just twisted. So they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. They take communion too. It's just twisted. Um, next verse. But the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clearer until it reaches its full strength and glory Glory in the perfect day to be prepared. So that's talking about time. So brighter and brighter. It's talking about the day dawning, the sun rising to its full strength. There's time, passing of time. It doesn't start there. It's talking about the passing of time. But the uncompromisingly righteous. I love what Dr. Winston was talking about recently in Job. If you'll maintain your integrity, his wife said, do you still maintain your integrity? So you could say, sun hasn't rose yet at that point. Everything's falling apart, and his wife's going, curse your God and die. And I think she took her own advice. Because like Dr. Winston said, uh, he goes, you never hear of her again in the Bible. He said, you never hear of that woman ever again. You hear what happens to Job, but you never hear of her again. And I think she took her own advice. She said, you curse your God and die. I already am. And, you know, she probably took... Um, so I would say, uh, as the sun's not quite rose yet, and Job is going through the mess. He's bumped his head. He's going through the mess. But if you'll maintain your integrity, the uncompromisingly part, you're, you're, not, you're not giving away. Yeah, you think about the integrity of this clock tower, or this, not clock tower, this uh, bell tower. The integrity of it, it won't give way. Uh, if you're uncompromising... And just and righteous, like the light of dawn that shines more and more, brighter and clearer. So we're increasing. The sun's not quite, not quite all the way up, but it's getting there uh, until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day to be prepared. So there's a prepared, we're talking about the plan of God. Something has been prepared. Yeah. And we want to get there. Right. I want to get to full strength and glory, not half strength, half glory. That's right. um, next verse. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Here's the thing is, why isn't it working? When I was living that way, uh, probably wasted a decade or more. And some people could probably say, I bumped my head for more than decades, you know, several decades. 
It doesn't matter how many times you bump your head. Once you decide, I'm done with this, and you call on God, he's going to pull you out of it. Um, but they do, not, they do not know over what they stumble. It's like if all the lights were off in here, these windows were blacked out, and it's pitch black, and I'm going to walk from here to that back door. Ow, what? What? Oh, okay. I got over that one, and then boom. I'm just going to run into row after row, and I'm going to be wondering... Why is this happening? I can't see why I'm stumbling, why I'm bumping my head. This goes back to Jesus, the word or truth stumbling in the street. Why is truth stumbling in the street when truth can see? The wicked can't see, but truth can see. So why would he be stumbling in the street? I think he did that for us. So we don't have to wonder why why this problem okay why this problem not that problems don't come up we got answers though but the world they're running from you know the next thing the next thing that uh gets me you know either some money or the thrill or a relationship or a car you know whatever it is um and psalm 91 12 is another reference uh if we could put that up psalm 91 12 um and the New Testament reference for this is Luke 4.10. And I talked about that briefly where the enemy throw, is throwing the words at Jesus in the wilderness. And he's saying, uh, he's basically twisting the word. But Psalm 91.12, they shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Us not dashing our foot against our stone is part of our redemptive package. Us not missing steps is part of our redemptive package, uh, part of what Je- the redemptive package, part of what Jesus did for us. Um, and in Luke 4.10, this, that's where the devil takes this verse and throws it at Jesus and says, throw yourself down. Won't his angels come and bear you up? And the trap here is that the Satan will take the word. And he'll try to get you to do something that you don't have any vision for. Jesus said, I only do what I uh, see my father do. And I only say what I hear my father say. But the devil, so if he gave, so basically what he told the devil is, I have no platform for what you're telling me. I only have a platform for God in my life. His word is bread for me. You know, Uh, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. But he says here that, uh, he said, so I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I hear my father do. Meaning, your words have no entrance in me. I love uh, one of my favorite passages, uh, John fourteen thirty. Uh, I have nothing in common with you. The thief is coming, and I have, the wicked one's coming. I have nothing in common with him. I have, uh, I have nothing. Or I have nothing in common with him. He has. There's nothing in me that belongs to him. Well, if there's nothing in me that belongs to him, that means there's none of his words find place in my heart. So there's nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. If, if my kids have symptoms, I remind myself, wait a second. In this house, the uncompromisingly righteous, we're, we're not bending to the, to the winds of change and things. We're, we're maintaining our integrity no matter what the, what the, the, the opposition is. We're going to maintain our integrity. No, devil. I, you, you showed up. Jesus said, he's coming, and I will not talk with you much more 
because I have nothing in common with him. He, there's nothing inside of me that belongs to him. Meaning, I'm not in covenant with him. I'm not in partnership with him. I, I have nothing to do with that guy. Uh, uh, so there's nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. So I got to remind the, Satan of that. I remind myself of that, but I remind Satan of that when, um, when opposition comes. But they shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This belongs to us. And it belonged to, it belonged to Jesus, too. Until he made that exchange for us and took stumbling in the street. Why would he be stumbling and and dash his foot against the ground or the stone and miss steps for us so we don't have to. So we don't have to bump our head. Um, And here's the other part about that trap of the enemy. He twists the word to try to get you to do something that you have no vision for. So Jesus did not hear from the father to do it. Therefore, he did not see himself doing it, and he would not go there. And then the other side of that is, if you go ahead and say you do do it, you're taking input from two places, heaven or hell, God or Satan, good or bad. Um, and say you do do that, because right now what's happened, what Jesus is telling, this is a picture of that. Satan is telling, trying to give input into Jesus' life. Go this way, do this, throw yourself down. His angels will catch you. Input is coming. But he says, no, I only receive input from my father, not from you. And and on top of that, you're twisting that word. That's not what that means. Because I have no vision to do that because it didn't come from the father. But the trap is if if he if you do make a mistake, he will also use that word to accuse you. So say Jesus did that. And the cliff's not that far. Maybe it's off that wall. And it goes, throw yourself off here. You won't dash your foot. And he jumps off, and it hurts. Uh, Dr. Winston talked about trying to fly off the garage. And he goes, man, I hit that ground. Ooh. And uh, then here's what the enemy will do is say, look, that word didn't work. That's what he's after. If he can get you out beyond something that you can't see. Uh, something you can't see and something you cannot believe for, you don't have word to stand on it. And then he'll use that word to accuse you and say, see, see, you shouldn't done that. You shouldn't believe that God curse your God and die. Sounds like Job's wife. Where was she? That tells you where was she, where was she getting input from? She wasn't getting it from God. She was saying, see, look, you lost everything. But if she had maintained her integrity, she would have been on the other side of the test with him where he received back double. And I got a a new wife because he replaced that old lady. Uh, She, 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 he, he says she's a foolish woman. You talk like a foolish woman. That's the song. You talk like a foolish woman. I got my mind made up. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get through all of this. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, I'm gonna speed it along. Um, <laughs> that's that's nice of, nice of you. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So the plan of God. Um. Uh, we've been saying this in the Road to Success Success Young Adults and Youth Group. Um, some confessions we've been saying regularly. Uh, but this is one of them. Ed, you got go ahead and say this after me. It's not about me. It's not about me. 
It's not all up to me. And if I'll pray it out, I can walk it out. These missteps, these are not, you don't have to repeat this part, but these missteps, uh, these missteps that we're talking about, they're not about you. It's not personal. The thing is, it was not about Jesus. It was about us. Because if he could get Jesus to slip up, there's no us. You know, so if he can get you to slip up, the people you're connected to, I love Brother Luis. We're connected. We're connected to Pastor Jackie and Pastor Ken. The he, so we, Sonny and I, we come to come to Midland, uh, not together. We didn't know each other. I arrive at Midland. We meet, uh, and I'm endeavoring to seek the plan of God for my life. That's why I came to Midland because I was praying, well, not praying, but I was seeking what I needed to do, uh, and it was almost audible the way I heard it. it was I need you to go to Midland. Not Fremont. I need you to go to Midland. It was very specific. I need you to go to Midland, and I need you to trust me. And so I went there. And first day I met my wife, I lived one block away uh, at the apartments for that Midland owns now, and I was able to get involved in this church. And my first job in town was working across the street at the Y. It was a setup. He, it, 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 he, he, he set me up uh, for success. You know, uh, my steps were no longer slipping. You could say that. Things were, I was starting to gain traction. Things are starting, okay, I bumped my head enough. Now that we're at rock bottom, let's build on that, you know. Um, And so in the youth, so we're connected. So in the youth group, uh, some of the things we've talked about is the plan of God is not, for your life, is not just about you. And it's not personal when these things happen. He's trying to mess you up to mess with them. The reason I was talking about Midland was, well, Sonia and I get there. We start renewing our minds with the word. I start attending church here. We start growing closer together, and we want to do things God's way. Well, then there's a, there's a student coach there um, who they, they call them graduate assistants. You've graduated, but you stay on to coach, and they give you a stipend and a place to live and everything, but you coach. Well, he was a Christian, and he continued a Bible study tradition from his previous uh, school. And when he was ready for, ready for him to leave that position, he said, hey, Lonnie and Sonny, I'd like for you guys to take the Bible study. And Luis comes to Midland and starts attending the Bible study. Was not born again at that time. And, uh, and he loved the snacks. We, we actually, that's what he said. That's what he remembers the most. I don't care what it was. He, it got him here, you know. The, um, yeah. He said it. Set a trap for Louise, just put some peanut butter filled pretzels right in the middle and spring that thing. Uh, no, but, but there's a connection because uh, the timing of it, the plan of God for my life in Phoenix, Arizona, hearing that I need, well, even further back than that, in 90, I would have been three years old, I think, when they said that they started the church and were out, or maybe it was when they were out walking around the campus, taking ground for for the kingdom, for Jesus, calling in the people on Midland University's campus and walking around the police department, calling them in 20-something, 30-something years ago, before I ever even knew Nebraska was a thing, before I could probably even speak. I was probably only two or three years old. 93, yeah, I would have only been two or three. All the way back then. Uh, but the plan of God, so it's not, 
though them walking around that campus wasn't just about them. And, oh, glory, we're taking ground for Jesus. It was about me because I'm connected to it. Um, it's about my wife. It's about our kids. It's about Brother Luis. It's about, you know, the plan coming to pass. We're connected. Uh, it's not about you. But when you realize it's not about you, you realize it's not all up to you. All of the weight of the plan of God doesn't fall on your shoulders. Amen. You don't ha- you're not the manifester. You don't have to bring it to pass. Uh, you got to believe. He asked you to believe for it. He didn't ask you to pay for it or conjure it up or figure out how it's going to work. He asked me to go to Midland. He didn't ask me to go there and find a wife. He didn't ask me to go there and, you know, he just said, I need you to go to Midland. Uh, that was my instruction at that time. Um, so we're connected. Uh, I'll, I'll go on this uh, rabbit trail real quick. So we've also talked about, and, and Reverend Joel has talked about this, they, when we were at the, uh, Reverend Joel and Pastor Amy are teaching prayer in the mornings uh, for the Miracle Crusades for Pastor Nancy. And they recently shared what uh, one minister said, prayer is like railroad tracks. Yeah. And if you pray, yeah. you are laying the railroad tracks right. so that when it's time for the engine and the cars to come, the, there'd be no, there'd be no, think about how so much, you know, there's so many railroads in, in Fremont. Uh, so many railroads that think about how little developed this place would be if those railroad paths had never been laid. I think, I think even the Fremont lakes were, were put in place because of the railroad. They were digging to make place for the railroad. Um, some of that I think has connection, but uh, so you, when you're praying, you're actually moving, laying track, re, re configuring the environment of what could be. We could have got here and been like horse and buggy and buckets of water, but we get here and we have universities. We've got beautiful churches like this. Uh, but prayer is like laying those tracks. Somebody had to put those tracks down and get a train here to carry goods, That's right. yeah. to carry passengers, right. to carry letters, right. words. Amen. You are carriers of things that other people need. Yep. You, people Amen. need words that you have. Yeah. Uh, I texted Brother Luis and I said, hey, uh, I'm just picking on you because you're right there. No. I, even if you were here, I'd still pick on you. But uh, he, he can take it. But I texted him and I said... Uh, uh, for the youth group, I said, hey, brother, you, 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 uh, we'd love to have you. You were missed. You bring something. You have something to provide. Uh, when we miss church, we, we have something to provide. It, it might be, oh, I don't want to sit next to that person. Well, what if you have a cough drop and they don't? You know, it's as simple as that. You, we are here to help each other, to sharpen each other. Um, you know, yeah, it's very simple. Something as small as a cough drop. But how refreshing is it when you're sitting there doing everything you can to hold that tickle down and somebody goes, you can hurry up and do it. You know, you don't want Pastor Jackie to see you. But so that's the connection part. We're connected and we bring something more than cough drops. You know, we bring prayer. We bring provision. So even praying for pastor, we're not laying the tracks for her life, but we can supply goods on those cars for her. 
that when she gets up here, utterances come. Um, <clears throat> and I'll give this analogy real quick. I didn't get barely past the first page. So, um, so part of my job is working accidents. There, there we go. That was my timer, so I know where I'm at. Um, <clears throat> yep, I had to give myself a, a timer, otherwise it would be here a long time. Uh, the part of my job is working accidents, and one of my, when I was on day shift, uh, for those that don't know, I'm a deputy, but uh, I was on day shift, and we had a train accident, and a train hit a semi, and it was kind of the semi, it was the semi driver's fault. He was being dumb. Uh, I didn't tell him that, like, I was just like, man, I'm glad you're alive. He survived. Uh, everybody survived, but the train was derailed. So he's coming up to this intersection. It's a no, there's no arms, no crossing arms, no flashing lights because it's so far out in the country that what are the odds that somebody's driving a semi across that road at that time? <clears throat> so, and it's not the train's job to slow down for you. Right. They blare that horn. They have rules that they have to blare those horns before they get to those intersections. Yeah. And they have only certain speeds they can go through towns and approaching towns. Uh, so they, I think, were doing everything they were supposed to do. And the railway has their own investigators. They, they're called special agents. And the railway hires them. A lot of times they're private law enforcement. I didn't know that. They were prior law enforcement, but they can get hired by these companies to go and investigate these crashes. Was the engineer sleeping? Were they doing what they're supposed to do? There's a black box in there. Everything is recorded. He knows. He worked for the railroad. Um, did they have the, the special agents back then? Yeah. Uh, and they cover not just a city or a state, they cover states. So those guys could have been, you know, in Minnesota when that accident happened. Um, but they came out, um, and so the semi-truck is, is, is carrying dirt. It's a side dump. He's carrying a full load of dirt with the tarp down, over, over or the tarps up over the, the load. And he's driving a single cab, you know, truck, pulling the, tra the tra uh, trailer full of dirt, and he looks in his rearview mirror, so he's going... So he's going this way, uh, and the train's coming from this way. And he's approaching this intersection, and he looks over at his mirror because he's operating the controls to put the tarp down. So he's multitasking. He's driving and putting the tarp down at the same time because he's approaching the job site. So he wants to get it down, get it dumped, get back to work. Well, he comes into that intersection. He looks over at his rearview mirror to see whether or not the tarp went all the way down. And when he looks over, it was the exact moment he heard that train horn. And he's, he's, the nose of his truck is just entering the tracks. So if these are the tracks, the nose of his truck's right here. He looks over and goes, oh, man. And he said, for a second, I almost braked. So he would have stopped right on the tracks. He said, I almost braked. I almost slammed on the brakes. But I gunned it. And he went through just in time for the train to T-bone the side dump, the trailer. And dirt was everywhere. Man, I think I still have pictures of it. Like, dirt was like the windows that are way up there on the top of the engine were covered in dirt. It was like looking at dirt on your windshield on your car because I got to go inside there with those special agents. They were showing me how to investigate the accident. Um, and I'd never been in one, but uh, there was, there's, a, there's usually an escape door on the front of the, engine, uh, the, front of the, the train. Yeah. It's easy access to get in and out. That handle, because handle, there's a door handle on that door, was sheared straight off. Uh, and all the metal on the front of it was mangled. Um, well, these train tracks, uh, so when he hit, they derailed the train. It didn't fall over, but one of the tracks, there was so much force that one of the tracks went from straight like this to flat on its side, and the train was still sitting on it. 
And so we start, you know, oh, well, let, we got to get to the engine. Uh, you don't crawl across the, the connections between the cars. You're not supposed to do that because there's those knuckles in there. Uh, and I forget what they call them, but there's a name that they, they're, they're called knuckles. But there's so much force in those that if that train shifts, it will take your ankle off because there's so much weight. Um, and so they told us, don't step on that. If you're going to climb up, you go up the ladder, over, and back down. You do not touch those knuckles. You don't jump over them. Uh, don't touch it. And I was like, okay, well, we can just walk around instead of risking it. And they said, well, we don't want anybody walking alongside of it because of the potential for it to tip. It was a very steep ditch. That's where the truck went after it hit. Was it, boom, hit it, threw it into the ditch, disconnected it from the, the truck part of the, the semi. Uh, and he spun around and, got, and almost got sucked down into the ditch himself. So he's at an angle. The side dump was down there. Uh, no dirt in it at all. It went everywhere. Um, and now the rail's like this, the train's sitting on it, and you can even hear metal clinking and going, kink, kink, like crackling and kinking. And it's like one of the coolest sounds I've ever heard, like in the movies, but it's a kind of an intimidating sound too, because you know, the, it's almost like you can hear the weight. I'm sure you hear that on a ship, uh, the creaking of the metal against the weight, the pressure, uh, the metal expanding and contracting and, 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 doing its best to maintain integrity under the weight of that train. Uh, and there's couplings on those rails. And what that, one of those sounds was, one of the agents was like, hey, I'll take you up into the engine. Oh, cool, I've never been on a real train like this, you know, than like little kitty ones. Like, this is gonna be, I was actually really excited. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I get to go on a train for the first time ever. I get to see the inside of it. And, uh, and he, and so he's taking me up into the train while the other agent is walking along the, the railway with us and he goes yeah and I was you know taking pictures for the investigation and some of those couplings are bent all the way off and some of them are just gone uh, and he goes um, they're basically instead of railroad spikes they have these big metal claws and couplings I think that's maybe the newer style of railroad tracks and uh, he said he said oh yeah that noise he goes I, I heard a couple of those pop off so the weight of the train is still affecting that that railroad and those couplings are going ding. And he, so there was potential for tipping and he, and here we go. We're going inside of this thing. You know, uh, I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. You know, I just said, if the train's going to tip, I guess I'd rather be inside of it than underneath of it. So, um, so we go in there. And so to think about, we were talking about prayer, the plan of God for your life, laying those tracks. Uh, so I, we're doing the accident investigation. That railroad company had a crew out there probably in less than an hour to get that thing back up and running. Uh, they were, and they, so they, as soon as they said, can we move that semi out of that ditch? We need to get that semi out of the ditch. They started leveling the ditch, somebody's farm field and then the ditch and then the railroad. They started leveling that out, removing debris. Um, and as soon as they could, they said, do you need anything with that truck? Said, no, we're just going to have it hauled out of here. I think they had somebody bring a tractor and they just drug it down the road to get it out of the way. And they start leveling ground. And I think they started putting up like a platform. Uh, workstation, everything to get that train back up and operational. They unhooked all the all the cars that were carrying goods and sent them the opposite direction. And they had a crew within the hour working on that thing. And some another deputy that responded came and told me, he said, I was talking to the representative for the railroad and they said, in the amount of time that this train has been stalled here, it cost a million dollars. In time, not in damage, the damage is, is, doesn't even matter. 
if they had had another train uh, route that just branched off, it wasn't the damage. They would have said, okay, go on that way and keep on moving. It was the amount of time that they lost in getting those goods where they need to go. And Reverend Joel was talking about, he said, you can be behind in your prayer life where you start to kind of bump your head a little bit and go, well, things just aren't working. Things just aren't working. God's going to help us as much as he can. But you can also help yourself go those places in prayer. We, pr- we know not how to pray as we ought. We don't know everything that lies ahead. I couldn't have told you I was going to meet my wife on the first day of school, that eventually I was going to meet Luis, that he'd get saved and come to this, or come to this church and get saved. Um, there's, there's so many things I couldn't have told you. Uh, but there was prayers made available. Uh, but we have a responsibility to pray for our own lives. I think that is the impartation that we got at those meetings. We went to those meetings, and there's almost been a, uh, a consciousness of the responsibility to pray. Not just, oh, I'm going to pray because I know I should, but there's almost like a, it's my duty to pray. Like, I I need to be doing this. If I don't, there's going to be trails that are not laid, uh, railroad tracks that are not laid that goods can't get to. People can't be reached. Uh, And it could be 30 years down the road, like Pastor uh, Jackie and Pastor Ken, laying tracks, taking ground, and here we are. and, you know, for my kid's life, yep. when, this, when they're your kids, it's your responsibility uh, or your grandkids. Uh, you, could be, you could be praying, making power available. Uh, um, what's the verse? Uh, effectual fervent prayer makes, makes, of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Thank you, guys. Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It doesn't say when that power comes to pass. Uh, so it could be 30 years down the road. Could be when you're not here anymore. I was thinking about I was thinking about a, a will. Uh, you think about a will. A will is just words decreed on a piece of paper, and it's done in preparation for your home going, which is not a negative thing. But those words, once you put them down, until you write a new one and and, and get rid of the old one, are in effect. They, take, they are legally binding, and when you leave is actually when they take effect. So there's some prayers you can probably pray that I don't think will take effect even until we're out of here. And then our kids are going, man, that was God. I know that was God. Yeah, that was God. It was power made available for them ahead of time. Um, so laying those tracks, I mean, think about, yeah, the railroad cars are carrying goods that need to get to places. Uh, we'd still be on a horse and buggy if they never laid those tracks. Right. What does your personal life look like? You know, for me, I'm, I'm talking to myself, you know. So Reverend Joel said he had a buddy that told, that God spoke to his buddy and said, you're five years behind in your prayer life. I'm jumping all over the place. This is, is timing, vision, and judgment. Um, <clears throat> So when you hear a thing, you have to judge it. We talked about that. Jesus was judging those words. Not the words themselves, but where they came from. The platform. Uh, and uh, so talking about timing and judgment. Um, I'll, I'll jump, actually jump ahead in my notes here. And then. Uh, timing and judgment is so critical to the plan of God. I was telling them at, at the... We were kind of coming up with our own definitions in the youth group and saying, okay, what do you think the plan of God is? And I think Daniel was like, uh, there he is. He was like, I think one of his answers was, uh, the word or something to that effect. Uh, I was like, 
you're not wrong, you know. Um, so the Word of God, Pastor Jackie tells us, the Word of God is the will of God. And the will of God is the Word of God. Yeah. Well, we just talked about a natural will not taking effect until you're gone. Yeah. There was things in the Word that could not take effect until Jesus actually died and was raised. Um, so those words, and those words have been spoken hundreds of years in advance. His coming, his death, burial, resurrection, all that was spoken, prepared in advance before he was even on the earth. And then when it was time for him to leave, things can go into effect. People can get saved. The Holy Spirit can come in. Um, tremendous. He said, wait, wait, because you'll receive power from on high. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. If prayers and words had not been set forth before time, the Holy Spirit couldn't even have come and made entrance into the people or even into the atmosphere. It says it came in like a rushing mighty wind. That was an appointed time. And I think he was probably just up there like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's time. Boom. He could not wait to get inside of us to make to make tremendous amounts of power available, dynamic in their working for us. So we don't have to keep hitting our head. So we can pray our way around. The tracks can be laid. Instead of, instead of trudging through the, what could be the, the Platte River, the Fremont Lakes, you got a railroad track and roads that go right through it. Well, they had to clear some land. You know? um, and now, even the stuff they moved out of the way created those Fremont Lakes, and thousands of people season come and enjoy those lakes um it's one of the busiest busiest areas uh especially in that time of year um tremendous amount of power dynamic and it's working and reverend joel talked about his buddy uh his friend of the ministry uh, i think he was a minister himself and said that he god told him he was five years behind well if you can be behind we can be ahead they said they they quoted the verse in proverbs excuse me in Proverbs, where Proverbs 31, and it says uh, the the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman, virtue speaks of power. Yeah. When Jesus was touched, the hem of his garment, virtue, power went out of yeah. him. Yeah. So yeah. the Proverbs 31, a powerful, virtuous woman. Where does she get that power from? Effectual fervent prayer, maybe, because it says she can look to the future uh, without fear for her household. Uh, I think, what's the way they said it is, you can uh, laugh, laugh without fear of the future. Meaning I can look ahead and go, ha ha, we're going over. Ha ha, we're going up. I'm not afraid. I don't have fear for my household. They're all covered in scarlet, which is, is the blood, that scarlet thread, the blood, you know, uh, but I don't, naturally, I don't have to be afraid for my house. We got a Carhartt jacket. We got clothes. Yeah. We got a good car. Yeah. I can look ahead. The winter's coming. Yeah. We're prepared. Yeah. Uh, but in the spirit, I can look ahead. My chil- I'm covered by the blood. My children are covered by the blood. Yeah. My family's covered in scarlet. And tremendous amounts of power have been made available, yeah. dynamic in their working. And it says the, the virtuous or powerful woman, godly woman, which is also uh, a symbol of the church, so it's not just female, it's man and female. If you're a part of the church, um, you make power available. You can look. I've been saying that. Father, you said in your word that I can look to the future and laugh without fear for my future. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so, Father, I go there with you now. 
and I start praying in the spirit. I start praying in tongues. I say, I'm going to the future with you now. I go there now. I'm laying those tracks right now. Um, timing and judgment. One of the, 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 one of the best sermons I've ever heard on that topic was in Pastor Ken's truck. I don't think this tape's in there anymore, but it's by, I haven't, I haven't, you got it out? So it's by Reverend Buddy Harrison, Sister Pat Harrison's uh, husband who passed. Uh, so Brother Hagen's son-in-law. I heard, I heard that, that sermon, uh, we, I was stuck in his truck for a long time. It's on a tape and we couldn't get it out. But I was driving his truck for some reason and I was listening to that tape over and over again. And uh, Reverend Buddy Harrison was talking about timing and judgment. He said, you know, there's a time, there's verses that say there's a time to live, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to reap, a time to be young, a time to be old, um, a time to pray, a time to do, a time for war, a time for peace, all, all those things. Um, and he is talking about timing and judgment. There's, you know, there's a time to have children. Uh, there's a time uh, when your body will now allow you to produce children. And then there's a time when bodies will not allow you to produce children. Subject to the power of God getting on people, and at 99 years old, they start having children. Uh, so all things possible with God and him who believes. Um, but there's a time. Our bodies are programmed to those timelines. Uh, uh, I mean, you talk about puberty. You hit puberty, things start to change because of time. Uh, and it was God saw fit that this needed to be the way the process works. Um, thankfully, you know, we rely on these natural systems. We rely on times to sow and times to reap. It says in the word, as long as the earth shall remain, there shall be seed time and harvest. A time to sow, a time to reap, a time to enjoy the plenty. Um, and um, so Reverend Buddy Harrison was talking about, you know, there's, he said there's a time to have a baby. There's a time for that baby to be conceived and there's a time for that baby to come out. The time for that baby to come out is not at, not at four months. Right. It's not at two months. Unfortunately, right. things like that happen. And praise the Lord, babies survive. There's miracles involved. Amen. But the time for the baby to come is not two weeks after conception. Right. Nine months. We know the number. Uh, we know the process. Um, and the, there's, so there's a time for that baby to be born. And then there's a time for that baby to be no longer suppling from mom, but to have its own bottle but then to have its own food. So timing and judgment. And that's on the parents to judge. Okay, they're ready for mashed potatoes now. I saw the way they were looking at my plate. You know, uh, they, they can grab and put so they can feed themselves now. I don't have to scoop and shovel, you know. Um, timing and judgment. You don't do that on day number one and say, feed yourself, baby. No, that's not time for that. Um, and... So timing and judgment, he's talking, you know, there's a time for everything. Yes, there is. And, and the time of the plan of God, there's a time for Pastor Jackie to be in this pulpit. She, I think she said, I had to get the, I know the amount of years, but I don't remember the exact situation. Pastor Ken can help me with this. Was it 12 years from the time she heard she was supposed to be in the ministry to when it came to pass, or 12 years from being born again? From 79 to 93. So it was from the time she heard that she was to be in the ministry or the time she was to be born again. We were at Hannah's house that time. And, I, and she said, you're going to be a pastor. Yeah. I said, great. You are too. I thought, what, me? Yeah. And then yeah, pastor tells it was we 12 years. Church, 
working in a church yeah. constantly yeah. until 93. And that was 70, 79 when that word came, you are supposed to be a pastor, you're supposed right. to be in the ministry. Yeah. 12 years before she ever stepped foot in the pulpit. Yeah. There was a time to buy this property. There was a time to pay off this property. So I don't have to beat you over the head with it. There's a time for everything. Uh, Everybody in here, I'll never forget this uh, example, what Reverend Buddy Harrison said. Everybody in here know the name Michael Jordan. Uh Does anybody, raise your hand if you don't know that name. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And we all know he's probably the greatest basketball player of all time. Subject to argument for some people, but there's a reason, there's a reason you compare people who are present day to him because he was the first that it was ever, yeah. he was the trendsetter. Yeah. He set the bar so high that now yeah. everybody compares to him. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep, there's the greats. There's the, they call them goats now, the greatest of all time. Um, and uh, we know the name Michael Jordan. Do you know there was a time when a coach looked at Michael Jordan and said, he's too scrawny, he'll never make it. He judged, but he misjudged. It was not time. It was not time for him to be the GOAT. And now he hasn't played in decades, and we still know his name. And I still get videos popping up of him about how good he was and still hear stories. We're still comparing present-day players. The game's not even the same anymore. Rules have changed so much that, I mean, you can't even, you can't, like, smack a fly and they penalize you. These days, like in the old days, they were throwing punches and they were knocking each other out on the court. They were slamming each other on the ground. It was a bloodbath. So even in that day, he was able to excel and perform. But we know that name. But there was a time when a coach looked at him and said, he's too scrawny. He'll never make it. That person misjudged. Uh, Sometimes we misjudge, you know, uh, but um, the coming to pass of it was set for another time for him to come to his peak in our training Luis knows this they they plan on you peaking at the end of your season for wrestling at the beginning of your season you don't want your best match of the year I was a wrestler my wife wrestled Luis wrestled Um, you don't want your best match of the year to be the first match of the season and come national championship time you're underperforming the goal is to the day is dawning, coming to fuller, brighter, more clear, like the word said, Amen. unto full glory. Um, you're, there is a peak season. There is a time. Uh, and, and that has an effect on other people that we get there. Because if we don't get there, Luis might not be sitting here. And it's not just saying, oh, me, you know, like bragging on me. No, I had to hear and obey. Uh, and then I had to stay here. I, I, I didn't, you know, couldn't just leave. Um, so I wanted to share that about judgment. Um, and here's an, an example from our own lives. And I'll, I'll finish up here. Uh, Victoria, when we were at Bible school, there was a time for her to be born. Uh, and a time uh, that she, ha- we're realizing now the way circumstances are right now in our lives, as busy as they are, or uh, the way things are going for us right now at this time, where we're this season and this time, we're realizing, wow, looking back, she had to be born when she was born. She was born when we were at Bible school. But we, when we first got married, one of the biggest questions when people get married is, well, when are the babies coming? You know, and people wanted to know, when are you going to have babies? When are you going to, when's, when's the kids coming? Or, or 
One of her cousins said, are you going to be a dink family? Has anybody ever heard that? You know what that is? A dink dink family. Dual income, no kids. Dink. He said... He said, her, one of her cousins said at our, our wedding, he said, are you going to be a dink family or are you going to have kids right away? And I'm like, dink. He said, dual income, no kids. You both raise money. You do what you want. You have fun. You know. And I'm like, well, we're endeavoring for the plan of God. So it really, you know, it's whether he says or not. Well, Sonia's thing at that time, I'm going to kind of tell off on you, was she would just go five years. They go, are you guys going to have kids? Nope, five years. Five years. She was pretty dead set on five years. Five years until a kid can even be a thought. And eventually I told her, I said, you got to stop saying that because not that I wanted kids prior to those five years. I, I was fine with it, but it was, if God tells us something yeah. different, you've already put words in place yeah. and you've yeah. formed an opinion and a preference. That was one of the things I wanted to get to was forming personal preferences. We've talked about that in the youth group, losing all personal preference to, to fulfill the plan for your life. You have to be willing to go against your flesh and your preferences. Your preference might be to live in sunny 70 degrees, tropical weather. But if God says this is where you're supposed to be, you have to put aside that personal preference. You know, am I I hitting some strings over here? (laughs) Um, You know, uh, if if God says, you know, for for even for Sonia and I, I've shared that uh, she was not, we actually were not really, we were interested in each other, but we tried to say, oh, no, we can't be more than friends. But it was like we could not separate from, from the pole. There was such a, such a fitting but, uh, and an attraction, uh, not just natural, but like it was almost like we were magnetized to each other. And we would even say, no, I'm going through a breakup. No, I'm going through a breakup. Oh, great, now we got something more in common. You know, okay. But then we were hearing the word, and, and we decided to do things God's way. Um, but... So you got to lose those personal preferences. And, and so her personal preference was five years, five years. And I said, you, you got to stop saying that. This was very early in our marriage, uh, within a year probably, because those questions come out. You're going to have kids now? You're going to have kids now? Uh, and well, we, we got married, and like two or three months later, we moved to Bible school. Um, and while we were in Bible school, Actually, before we got married, she had gone to the doctor, got a checkup and everything, and they said, hey, we saw some signs. There's potential that you could have issues rearing children or bearing children, and we took authority over that. We knew the plan of God for us was to have a family, so it it bare no witness with us. Those words did not get weight. They had no platform, no platform in our hearts for what, and it was a doctor's, a doctor, professional doctor's recommendation, um, you know, but... Pastor Jackie says, whose report do you believe? Yes, that's the natural report, but it bears no weight, no witness. He and his word bears witness. Um, and so she, she was saying five years. And then, uh, so that doctor said that before we got married. And I had prayers. I even knew Victoria's middle name uh, before we even got married. I, I knew it was to be part of her name, Victoria Talitha Brown. Um, but that was before we got married. And then I would pray for our future, pray for our family, and we can make things available. Well, uh, the doctor said possible complications. Well, then we're at Bible school, and she, we, the, between the three of us, we were ministered, between the two of us, we were ministered to three times by Pastor Nancy about having children within a very short period. Well, we're at Bible school. We don't necessarily want to have kids while we're in Bible school. Like, okay, maybe after Bible school. Like, okay, let's get through this, and then we'll start a family. Well, 
she had, we were at a Pastor Noel and Pastor Ruby's, Ruby's church. This was the first time, yeah. Pastor Noel and Pastor Ruby's church, and Pastor Nancy called a word, uh, said, anybody, any ladies dealing with female problems, anything down there in your female organs, come on up, I want to minister to you. So Sonia went up, she was having difficulty, uh, I think it was restroom related. Yeah, it was just discomfort. It was not anything to do with children, but after she'd been ministered to, she went down to the ground, she got up and was walking away, and I don't even think you knew she was talking to you, but Pastor Nancy continued to speak to her, and the, the confines of that, that building they were in, it was kind of hard to tell who she was talking to, but Sonia was walking away, and Pastor Nancy was talking, um, and she said, she said, did that have anything to do with, uh, with bearing children, and she didn't hear her, and then she said, well, she goes, uh, whatever it was, it's fixed, so you better watch out. He better, basically, he better keep his hands off you now because it's fixed, whatever it is. So, and I didn't realize, I think I caught it that she was talking about Sonia. Like, it took me a second. I was like, oh, wait, she's still talking to Sonia. And Sonia's walking away. Well, then another time, uh, Pastor Nancy, a lot of times, and, and even the other ministers there, Pastor uh, Morgan and, and Brother Grant Dufresne, and they'll, they'll minister to people at the first of the year and lay hands on their sheep. Well, we were there, and they, and I think she was laying hands on us and going down the line. So if it's this way, she's going down the line. I'm over here catching, and Sonia was over here uh, being ministered to, and Pastor Nancy said, she goes, have you all talked about raising a family? Uh, uh, what, do you remember exactly what she said? She, she brought it up again. She said, she goes, have you all, have you all talked about raising a family? And, and said something along those lines again. And then she got down the line and ministered to me, and she said, uh, so when she said that to Sonia, I think there's video of it, because we were up there catching. You can even see me when, like, look over. When she said that to Sonia, I'm like, oh, dang, she's talking to Sonia. Oh, man. Um, well, then she got down to me, and she goes, you, uh, she goes, have you all talked about raising a family? She said, you need to get an agreement quick, because it's going to happen sooner than you think. Well, we were in agreement that we wanted kids. We were in agreement that it was going to be a, when we felt God wanted us to. We were in agreement that it should be after Bible school, but that time had to come when it came. Uh, those words came forth and were trying to prompt us, you know, um, and uh, not that we were refraining from our marital duties, but we weren't interested in having children at that time. Um, and uh, so we said, we, we said, you know what? We better pay attention to this. We better seriously consider. We've been spoken to by Pastor Nancy, who operates in the prophet's office uh, many times, and uh, I would say is very keen and very accurate. I've had things uh, that she's spoken to me come to pass. Like, I don't think there's anything she hasn't spoken to me that hasn't come to pass. And if it hasn't, it's just not time yet. Um, but uh, she spoke to us, and Victoria... Uh, it was within a couple months she was pregnant. I think Father's Day, we got our first positive pregnancy test of 2016. Father's Day 2016. Yeah, because she was born January or February 27th of 2017. <clears throat> that was the time for it. Because looking back, had we waited those five years, or had we waited till we got back to Nebraska, we'd be still raising little tiny babies and not be able to be moving in our life at the pace that we're moving uh, there is an acceleration we talked about those missteps are a waste of time not just a waste of time itself but a waste of you don't get anywhere you're like spinning your wheels 
Um, and so that's what I had to, to share with you guys today about, you know, the plan of God. Uh, timing, vision, and judgment. You know, we don't have to keep bumping our heads and missing steps. And we think, oh, we're in church. We know this. We know the word. But even losing, talking about losing personal preference, we just moved into our house a year ago, but Sonia reminded me there was a time when we first moved back to Nebraska that I said, I don't want to live in a 100-year-old house that needs project work done to it. And what do we live in? A 100-year-old house that needs some love. Um, so just because we know these things doesn't mean we're necessarily doing them or throwing out those personal preferences doesn't mean we're going to go, you know, just because we know we should kind of, you know, love each other and, and sit next to that person, you know, like, well, I want, I want that empty seat next to me. It's comfortable. Not judging anybody, but it is comfortable. I mean, you can write on your Bible and stuff, but when you're sitting next to somebody and they need that Bible verse, yeah, it's right here. You know, you can help them. Um, and, uh, and other preferences, uh, who's it? Brother Keith Moore said, when you, just cause you <laughs> pick on sister Debbie, uh, uh, a Ford person, he said, uh, he said, well, I don't like Chevy. I'm a Ford person. My family's a Ford person. We've been, my daddy's Ford person and grandpa, all Ford people. We ain't touching this Chevy, no way. But if God's dealing with you, to buy a Chevy, yeah. I mean, yeah. he knows which one's the lemon and which one isn't. I'm not saying all Fords are lemons. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that it might not be for you. It might be, well, man, we are all Ford people, but my grandkid is really attracted to Chevys, and I know that it would just tickle all his buttons if he had a Chevy someday. And you know what? I love him enough, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not telling you, it's like, I'll just say an example, or it could be, a, you know, a, a seed to sow, you know, it could be somebody else here, and you get that car, you're like, all right, God, right. I don't know why, and the reason I'm telling the story is because Keith Moore, I think he said this actually happened, one person was like, I, I won't buy that, why would I ever buy, why would I ever touch that, yep. well, it might not be for you, it might be the plan of God for you exactly. to make the purchase, right. but there's a, there's a brother or sister who, uh, until they see you pull up in the parking lot, what kind of car is that? Man, I think I'd like something like that. And you know, and now, now your faith, now that person's faith can grab onto something when they see that. Yeah. It might be you moving into something that helps somebody else. You know, so these missteps are not just about us, and we're not gonna we're not gonna miss them near as often. You know, we're gonna go further faster. Uh, like Pastor said, we're in a, we're in another door. Things are progressing. Things are moving faster. Uh, we don't have time to keep missing steps, you know, to keep run, bumping our heads and running into the same issues over and over again. Um, yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's the, if you keep his plan, you make that your focus, the first place, and you seek it in everything, but then you're also praying it out. It makes it a lot easier. There's things, I'll share this last thing. There's things, I'm, sometimes I'm on the road driving around and I go, I'll be listening to a sermon. I go, you know what? I need to just stop listening to things that I need to pray. And sometimes I'll just park on the highway or somewhere and I'll just start praying. And then by the end of the shift, I've ended up in a scenario where I'm going, I could not have made that happen if I wanted to and came up with that arrest or that bust or whatever it was as smoothly as it happened. There you go. 
And I realized that's what I was praying about. Yeah. That's why all, and it was easy. Yeah. The, the interaction, the, all the danger, all those elements that you can think of for police work, they don't even, the, the tracks were laid. And I go, that's why, that's what I was praying about. That's why I was supposed to be driving around praying because I ended up in that scenario. Power was made available. I knew which way to go. I knew what to do. I knew how to act and ends up in arrest. And here, here's the other part of that is the plan of God will make you look good. But again, it's not about you. It's because other people need to see that. They need to see when, when he makes you look good, you're a beacon of him. Uh, the last, last verse, I promise, last verse, you can, you can count on it. In closing, Jesus said this, I have not been able to get out of, uh, out of John, out of the book, the book of John. Pastor challenges to read through at least the New Testament, and I am like rereading and rereading and rereading the same chapters in John. Um, I didn't even get to John like I wanted to, but Jesus says this in John 8, 50, uh, you could just write it down or if you're there, follow along. Um, John eight fifty, Jesus said, however, I am not in search of, of honor for myself. I do not seek at, or I do not seek, and I am not aiming for my own glory. There is one who looks after that, and one is capitalized. The who is capitalized, speaking of God. There is one who looks after that. He seeks my glory, and he is the judge. So he, in his timing and judgment, uh, and it's not all up to him. We got to pray some things out. We got to, when I hear I need to go to Midland, I need to go to Midland. You know, I couldn't wait 10 years and meet Sonia on the first day of school. Because I can say, oh, I know that's the plan of God for my life. And people do this. I know that's the plan of God for my life, but not yet. I'm not done doing what I want to do. Had I waited three or four years, she would have been graduated and gone. And God would have found somebody to replace me for her life, you know. Um, so it's a, a timing and judgment thing. And he said, he seeks my glory and he is the judge. There is a time that these things need to come to pass uh, and we need to cooperate with them. And he is the judge, but we have things to judge too, whether or not those words gain entrance, whether or not that you might hear stuff for your life that are not for right now. Right. Put them on a shelf. There's things that are spoken that, there's things that have been spoken to me. They haven't come to pass yet. They're not for right now. Um, but we have to judge that for ourselves. I can't tell you. That word's not for right now, sir, so that's for three years down the road, uh, unless God was to speak to through pastor and give her that direction, um, that help. But, so timing, the plan of God, timing, vision, and judgment. There is one who looks after that. He seeks my glory, and he is the judge. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. Thank you guys for polling, because I didn't get it. I didn't, the notes were like out the window, and there was just utterances rolling. So thank you guys for doing your part. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. What did you want me to do? For, for Pastor Jackie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So New Year's baby. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a quick offering. Ushers, go ahead and pass the envelopes. I didn't, wasn't. Didn't really know about this, but so we're doing a birthday offering for Pastor Jackie. Her birthday, January 1st. She is a New Year's baby. She is going to be turning 83. And praise the Lord. Amen. It sounds like, uh, from what I was told, like she basically they had to hold her back from running after the surgery. Like, uh, 
So watch out because she's going to come back more ready to go. Like, like if she can move faster now, then we're going we're gonna to be like, yes, ma'am, right behind her. We got to keep up, you know. Uh, but praise the Lord. I'm so happy, so grateful for our pastor and for her birthday. Um, so I'll pray over the offering. Uh, Father, thank you for the word today and thank you for the opportunity to sow into our pastor uh, the gift. You said you gave gifts unto men according to your own heart. Uh, our pastor is according to your heart. So we take that seriously. We don't take that lightly. And we sow uh, into the ground that you have provided into our life. Uh, we give her voice. We give her platform, Father. Uh, we give you platform, Father, in our hearts through her word. And we, we add our faith to it by uh, adding our finances, by something natural, we're going to sow seed in the name of Jesus. You can, once the back buckets have uh, passed your way, you're dismissed. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.